dear listeners, to AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio station. This is Shelter in Peace, and we are so glad you are joining us here this morning. I am your host, Mari Cleveland, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Ann Satilli. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, everyone. And we have some excitement during this Advent time. We have, um, well, you know, actually because of the, can we even say it, Annie? Okay, so because Advent, you know, we're in the we're in the we're waiting for the baby Jesus. We are also waiting for Annie's new baby. Yes, yes. So Annie, our producer, is going to be having a baby. We're so very excited. Very excited. We're excited about that, but we're sad because that means Annie decides she's going to go be a mother. <laughs> that really. baby's more important than us. <laughs> Most of them are. Yeah. Um, so we have got a brand new producer. Our new producer is Rachel Miller. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, and hi, everyone. Yes, we're so glad you're here. We we're so are. glad to have you. So Rachel's been working with Annie to get ready, so she knows how to... All those crazy looking buttons and knobs and things. It's over a there. lot of screens. <laughs> yeah, lots of screens too. She's going to be in charge of all of that. So, so Annie, congratulations. We're so very excited for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so you must be in preparation phase, huh? Very much so, preparation mode. You should see my house. There's boxes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. The, guess what? The baby will come whether nope. you're ready or exactly. not. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? We're going to build forts with these boxes or something. <laughs> there yeah. you go. That's awesome. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's so very exciting. And so that time of preparation is the time you know, we're facing right now with Advent. Um, so so welcome, everybody. We're going to start with prayer, and then we're going to talk about that because we are on week two of Advent, and that is our theme is preparation. So before we get into that, though, let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you because you are um, the God of all things that are new. You are the God of creation who loves us so amazingly. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We praise you for new life, especially for the new life that that Annie's bringing, um, that you've Mm -hmm. gifted her and her husband with. Um, We thank you for the newness here in the studio of having Rachel with us. Lord, and you are the God of power and life. And you also sent your son as well to renew us and to renew us in the joy of the resurrection. So, Lord, we continue to ask you to just pour upon us um, the spirit of your love. Give us strength to be able to live the gospel that you've given us. Um, Help us to bear true witness to the abundance of life that you give. And renew us in your love, Lord. When we grow weary and discouraged, renew us in your love. When we grow lazy and living out the gospel, renew us in your love. When we grow sad and weary amidst love, life's troubles, renew, renew us. us in your love. And um, Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. In your Son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, listeners, you may recall, if you've been listening, that we are on a four-part series of Advent. So we've been talking about, obviously, we're in week two of Advent. Right. right, it's almost half over. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, um, so the so the first part was watch, and if you did not get to listen to our show last week, please go back and listen to our show because we had an amazing guest, um, Martha uh, Hall. Hall. 
<laughs> Martha Hall. We laugh because we used to know her by another name. Martha Hall was on with us, and Martha was talking about watching for God's kingdom. We were talking about watch. So the first part of our series was about watch. The second part of our series today, we're going to be talking about prepare. And um, next week, we're going to be talking about rejoice for Laudate Sunday. And we'll have Father Tim Hepburn on with us. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth Sunday, of, uh, fourth week of Advent, we'll be talking about proclaim, and we'll be talking about Mary and her fiat and proclaiming with um, Father Daniel Ketter. Right, so we we have a good lineup coming up. We do, so please listen. Um, If you don't know how to listen to past shows, all you need to do is go to our website and you'll see um, a... a icon where you can hit um, shows on demand um, and you go to those and then you go and go to local um, shows and then you'll find shelter and peace and you can also do that on the app on your phone if you have our app on your telephone just go to the app store and look up quest atlanta and you can find it there too right yeah so okay so last week just real briefly just to give you a teaser if you'd like to go back and listen if you didn't or a reminder we were talking about how the, ser- the season of Advent really is a journey. God is taking us on this journey, this journey toward what he's offering us and the hope of the world coming and Emmanuel's coming to be with us. Right. Yeah. Right. And so as we journey along, part of that journey, we as we're waiting, we need to be watching. And what kind of things do we need to be watching for? And um, and right. Anne, Anne told a great story, beautiful story of her um, godsons watching at the window for her. Right. Right. And their excitement and their, uh, you know, as little children, there aren't any distractions. So that's the other thing we really talked about is what are those things distracting us from, right. from seeking and seeing Yes, exactly. And then, of course, she talked about her godsons, and I talked about my dog. (laughs) And and just the funny image of my dog just so vigilantly watching as she was waiting for my son to come home from college. And and part of that image for me was from the scriptures from last week when it talked about clinging to our Lord, that that part of our watching is we want to be as close as possible to him. We want to stay as close as possible so we don't miss it. We don't miss him um, as we're waiting and in this journey. And and she she has a tendency to carry around articles of my son's clothing with her as <laughs> she kind of clings to him. And are we carrying around God? You know, are we continuing to keep his word in our hearts and in our minds and just cling to him in whatever way we can? So uh, and Martha talked to us about watching for God's kingdom and how it may look different from what we expect. Right. Um, God tends to surprise us and we need to be watchful of that and mindful and really look at how our own perception of things mm-hmm. um, might not be God's perception. Exactly. So so with Martha, she was in Africa and all of a sudden her perception of what God's kingdom looked like was very different. And it was a beautiful story. So please um, go back and listen to that. And just once again, you know, God surprises us. The, the, um, the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for a king who was going to come and free them, free them from bondage free them from slavery, liberate them, um, conquer their enemies. And Jesus does do that. But as Anne just said, God does it in a totally different way than we expect. Right. And it's always better. It is. Mm-hmm. It is always better. It's perfect so. will. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that we talked about last week was sometimes we have to let go of our own perceptions of what it's supposed to be like. Just like the, the Israelites had to let go of their perception of what this looked like. Those who did make Jesus their Messiah realized that their Messiah looked different that they, than they expected their Messiah to look. And so we have to let go of some things. And so mm-hmm. this week we're going to continue to talk about that. What do we need to let go of? 
Right. Because it's a process. It's a mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our readings this week really, really speak to that, the journey right. and the highway. Exactly. Exactly. And that, um, so it's weird to, that we're saying we need to let go because we're also talking about prepare, prepare. So when you prepare, you're thinking about what you're supposed to do. And yet, like t- to Anne's point, we're actually letting go as well um, in our preparation. So our, our readings, yeah, so when we read our readings from on Sunday, from the second um, Sunday of Advent, it's from Isaiah, and it talks about how there's a voice that's crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. You know, and you, if you read that, you think, okay, what on earth? And we know, being on the other end of this, you know, Isaiah was written 800 years before Christ. Right. Um, and so he was talking specifically to the Israelites who had gone into captivity in Babylon. They had been taken away. They'd been removed. Their their temple had been destroyed. Um, the home of God had been destroyed. They had been taken out away into exile in Babylon. Right. And it was, so it wasn't just a physical exile. Mm-hmm. It was a spiritual exile. Right. A, as well. You know, the temple to them meant meant everything. It mm-hmm. was the dwelling place of the Lord. It mm-hmm. wasn't just brick and mortar. Right. And it was where they worshiped. It was where mm-hmm. they they felt that they were closest to God. It was the only place they could go to feel close to God. There are even those, the scriptures. And I know we used to sing a song when I was in um, uh, in in a choir. We talked about how they couldn't even sing. Well, they, would, they were crying by the rivers of Babylon and they couldn't even sing the songs of hope that they used to have because they were exiled. Right. Yeah. And, and we're talking for a generation. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't just a short period of time. Right. You know, we, we just have this four weeks we're preparing and letting go. And, yeah. and they had, it was a whole generation. Yeah. They were in exile for, for that long. Mm-hmm. And so what, what this is talking about, and we know now that the, the voice is crying out in the, in the desert is actually John the Baptist. And we'll get into that shortly. But Isaiah is saying in the desert, prepare a way of the Lord, make straight in the wasteland, a highway for our God and highway, you know, and mentioned that word highway. And that's the word that really struck me when I was meditating on this scripture. And it was like, highway, wait a second. This is, this is 800 years before Christ, 2,800 years ago, they had a highway. What on earth were they talking about? So I looked up that word highway and looked to see what it meant. And it essentially, there's both a literal and a figurative meaning to that word highway. And it's a thoroughfare. And so if you think about it, they were coming back from Babylon, which Babylon is in modern day Iraq. And if you look at the topography from from Iraq all the way to Jerusalem, it's pretty rough terrain. Right. With no yeah. pavement. With no, with no pavement, no super highway, no. And what he's saying, what Isaiah is saying is, but make it straight. Make this path straight for God. We're, we're bringing God. God is coming. We're coming back. God's coming back to Jerusalem. Make this highway straight for God. And it says right after that, he even explains from a the point of topography as well. He says, um, every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Mm-hmm. Once again, literally and figuratively. So literally imagine that everything is going to be this nice straight path for God to come back, this super highway for God to come back back quickly mm-hmm. into Jerusalem and, and into back into their hearts and into their lives. But also what about your heart? What are the valleys in your heart? What are the places in your heart that need to be prepared? And this highway in your heart needs to be prepared. So the valleys that need to be built up. Maybe you've been 
broken down in places. Mm-hmm. And these are the places where maybe sin has eaten away at you or maybe wounding has eaten, eaten away of you. And so maybe you right. need encouragement. Well, because our hearts aren't always damaged um, from us internally. Mm-hmm. You know, there are outside forces that, that come against us. And we need to um, look at those places where we need to allow God to heal. Right, exactly. And and, and there's actually even um, this word highway uh, is also means path. And it was used also in Proverbs 16, 17, and speaking exactly to what Anne just said, as far as sometimes there's been evil that's been done, but what do we need to do? And so Proverbs 16, 17 actually says the path of the, the path or the highway of the upright departs from evil. He who pays attention to his way, to his highway, safeguards his soul. So this highway is something that we need to be paying attention to. We need to be safeguarding. And it says, you know, the valleys need to be filled up. So we need to be encouraged with the truth of God and what, what God really believes about us. And the mountains need to be made low. So are there places where maybe sin has, um, has made us, prideful, for example. Mm-hmm. So we need to kind of shear off or, or um, like God, Jesus talked about and Paul talked about circumcising our hearts. Maybe some circumcision needs to happen too. So it's pre- really preparing our hearts. It's preparing our hearts. And that's when it talks about highway and making straight the path. That's what John the Baptist was talking about. He was talking about repenting and making the highway of your heart um, pure and and filling in those places. And um just keeping keeping your keeping your way keeping your soul safeguarded um for god and allowing a place for god to work in your heart and so this has to do with um, us during um, advent right now because it's the way that we prepare it's one of the ways that we prepare is to look at our own hearts right and if we refer back to what martha was sharing with us last week Mm -hmm. that um the kingdom looks different yeah so our preparation for receiving jesus and you know, at Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the second coming, preparing for that and preparing to meet him face to face at the end of our lives. It, it, it does look different than Mm -hmm. preparing for Christmas Mm -hmm. in the secular world. It does. It does. And you had a very real experience with that, Anne. I did. Um, you know, this, this time of year is really reflective anyway, Mm -hmm. but, um, but especially for me, um, uh, you know, I lost my husband now, it was it's seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I miss him every day. Mm-hmm. But Advent, the Advent season, you know, really brings to mind a lot of, a lot of memories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some are difficult and some are just beautiful and joyous um, because Advent was, it was the last weeks of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really watched him live Advent. Mm-hmm. So even now, years later, as I reflect, you know, what does my Advent need to look like? God, mm-hmm. what are you asking of me? Mm-hmm. I can use Psalm as an example. Um, I remember one of the very last masses that we attended together as a family before he died, just a, a couple of weeks before he died during Advent. Um, after communion, we came back and knelt down and, and Tom was really praying. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was, he was not very demonstrative with his, with his faith. I Mm -hmm. mean, he was a prayerful man and Mm -hmm. we went to mass and did all the the Catholic things. Um, but he didn't outwardly show Mm -hmm. what was going on in in his interior, Mm -hmm. but this day he kneeled down and, um, all I can say is when I looked at him, I thought of the agony in the garden. Mm. He, he was head down and, um, it just really in, in an intense moment of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, God is really doing something right now. What's, what is happening? Mm. Um, and, and he, he sat there even after, you know, we're, we're starting to 
do the closing prayer and mm-hmm. he's still kneeling down praying. So he finally got up at the end of mass and we walked outside and we barely got across the parking lot. And he said to me, I need to cancel the car. Hmm. And I said, <laughs> okay, what are you talking about? And then I kind of did a little click, click, click in my mind. Um, Tom wasn't as, wasn't an extravagant person, but mm-hmm. he really liked cars. Okay. He loved <laughs> nice cars. And um, so he had uh, picked out this really fancy, amazing, I can't tell you what the model was, uh, <laughs> Mercedes. Uh-huh. And it was a convertible and it was rad and it was very extravagant and we probably couldn't afford it, but he was dying. So, um, so I just went along with it. Mm-hmm. And um, so he ordered this car and it was a really great distraction from everything that was going on. Um, and so, you wanted him to have something that was really special it, to him. I did, yeah. you know, and, and I, you know, and, and it was kind of, what do you buy a dying man for Christmas? You know, yeah. so a new car, apparently. So um, when he said car, it finally dawned on me. I said, you're not going to get this car. You've researched and you found the one you wanted and you ordered this car. And he said, he said, no, he said, I need to, I need to start letting go mm. and I need to prepare mm. and get things in order. Mm. That's beautiful. And it wasn't just about the car. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think about that, um, you know, as I enter into this, this Advent season, you know, um, what are the things that I need to, to strip away? And, and, mm-hmm. and I watched Tom during those next few weeks, um, the worldly things were stripped away and mm-hmm. the focus was, was God and family. Mm. And, um, you know, we had mass together Christmas Eve in our home, just our little family. And he, um, he went to meet Jesus the next morning, Wow, you know, so, wow. um, I don't know that I can do Advent that well, but I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> and that's such a beautiful story. And on the one hand, it could be, you can be very sad, but on the other hand, what um, peace and what mm-hmm. joy there comes in seeing that. And I'm sure you, and you, you've talked before about how Tom just was ready and he, God had prepared him and right. was preparing him. And, and this was one of the ways that he did. Yeah, he did it is what do I need to let go of? What do I need to allow God to just take over? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just my, my heart and my vulnerability and God. Right. That's it. So simple. So Mm -hmm. simple. So listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to Shelter in Peace and we are on week two of Advent. And so we were talking about the theme of prepare, prepare, Mm -hmm. prepare a way um, for the Lord. And that's who we hear. We hear from John the Baptist. John the Baptist is actually mentioned in Advent and in the readings of Advent so much. Um, It's interesting. I was listening to something the, the other day and they said, Oh, if you look at all of the Gospels, the person who shows up at the very beginning of at least three of the four Gospels, if you were to to quiz somebody and say, who do you think it is that is named within the first you know paragraph or so of the mm-hmm. of every of at least three of the four Gospels, most people would say Jesus, of course, right? But the answer nope. is John the Baptist, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so it's John the Baptist, and and he is a beautiful example too of of letting go, and we'll talk a little bit more about about why, but. So John the Baptist is one we hear about the, um, in our, our readings as far as preparing the way for the Lord and making the path straight. And he was calling people to a time of um, repentance to prepare them. But John himself was actually prepared um, to this vocation. He was called to this vocation even before he was born, you know, and we'll talk of, in a few minutes about the angel Gabriel talking to Zechariah, his dad, and saying what it was that God did, you know, that God had planned that, that he, John the Baptist was going to be the one who would prepare his people and bring his people back to God. Once again, that theme of being brought back to God, being brought out of exile, of um, the exile of our sin, our wounding, our own hearts, our own distractions, or the physical exile um, in some cases, back to God. 
Right. right. And we've all felt that physical exile during this time of, of COVID, mm-hmm. you know, being yeah. exiled from our families and from our churches and our activities. Yeah. So, um, our sacraments. Is, our sacraments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is really an opportunity for, for us to really live this out. Yeah. So we can really relate to these scriptures in ways mm-hmm. that maybe even just last year we could not relate to them. Well, and the, and the comfort and what mm-hmm. brings us peace and joy is that is that God had prepared the way already from the very beginning yes. from, from the moment that man sinned and left the garden and was mm-hmm. exiled from mm-hmm. being in communion with the Lord. He had planned this, right. that Emmanuel would come. Yeah, he had. And he already had a way to make sure we could make it back to him. Mm-hmm. And he's inviting us to do that. He's inviting us to do that. Uh, so there's so much about John the Baptist. It's so beautiful. Um, I will tell you again, I'm going to make another plug for listening back to one of our older um, shows. So back in September, actually on September 2nd, if you scroll back through our archive shows, we had a beautiful priest, Father Ed Daniker. He has actually been serving in the Archdiocese of Atlanta as a priest um, for 56 years. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. And he loves John the Baptist. He calls him John the Baptizer. So in that show, he, it's just so cool how much he shares with us about John the Baptist because he got to study for three years with Father Ray Brown, which when Anne heard that, Mario didn't even tell me that up front. I went back and listened to the show. I was like, wait a minute. You didn't tell me you studied with Father Ray Brown. Father Ray Brown, who was actually, um, he was studied with him in Rome. And Father Ray Brown is a very famous lexographer for the Dead Sea Scrolls Mm -hmm. and just an amazing Catholic theologian. And so he told us a lot of things that Father Ray Brown had found in his studies. And part of it was that, you know, we know in the story that Zechariah and Elizabeth were older parents, which means they probably passed away when John was still pretty young. Right. And so, and because Zechariah was a priest and he was not in the hierarchy in Jerusalem, but he was kind of a, a lower order of priest, they, he's, there's a thought that he actually sent John the Baptist to live with the Essenes at Qumran. Um, so that Qumran is where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found and John the Baptist or John was sent to mm-hmm. live with them. And one of the things that they did, that the Essenes did, is that they bathed themselves every single day as a form of spiritual cleansing. Which was unusual for the time. It was. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he was John the Baptizer because of the cleansing and the immersion and he did it himself. And then he ended up having these followers. And one of the things that was so neat to find out was that... Um, we had uh, that all of Jesus's disciples were actually first disciples of John. Right. I don't think I realized that Mm -hmm. um, before I heard Father Daniker tell us that because, and one of the reasons we know that is because in Acts, when they're trying to decide who to replace um, Judas Judas with, with, right? right? And they say, what's the criteria? The criteria and the reason they chose Matthias was because Matthias had been a disciple of John the Baptist. He was there from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that Ann and I both love about John the Baptist is that he says, you know, not only does he baptize Jesus, which is so beautiful, but he says he must increase and I must decrease. So part of his preparation was also letting go and saying, you know, Jesus must be glorified. He must increase. I must decrease. Right. And just, just think about, he had all those followers he was preaching to, and they were um, looking up to him. And he, when he realizes that the time has come, 
that his mission has been fulfilled, that it's time for, for Jesus to begin his mission. Mm-hmm. He, he literally says to those disciples, it, I am not the Christ. Mm-hmm. He is follow him. And he, he turns them over to Jesus. That, that must've taken such great, great humility, the humility. Yeah. And to just know that, that your, your time was done. You fulfilled your, your, your mission. Exactly. So the humility of John is beautiful. We see that humility also mirrored in, um, Joseph and Mary as well. Right, right. I mean, just think about Mary, um, the angel comes to her and, you know, she, she doesn't say, why me or why is this happening? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. she says, she says, how, Mm -hmm. you know, how is this happening? Mm -hmm. And the angel's response is God, all things are possible with God. Yeah. Yeah. And Mary just submits to that. She mm-hmm. just says, I, I believe that. I trust in that in all humility. Right. Yeah, and one of the things I heard, um, I think it was Father John Ricardo was talking about it or Edward Sri, I don't remember. But I was listening to a number of different people talk about this part. And I thought it was so fascinating because it was like Mary said, um, so how can this be? Like you just said, Anne, how mm-hmm. can this be? I haven't, and it went back to what have I done? What haven't I done? You know, we always focus on, okay, I haven't had relations with a man. We focus on that part. But she was saying, I haven't done anything to be ready for this. I haven't done it. And I haven't prepared. I haven't prepared, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't, there's been nothing I've done. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point for every single one of us. And I don't know how much it's going to take for us to get it, but we don't have to do anything, you know, during this time of preparing, we're preparing for Christmas. Annie has all those boxes preparing for her baby, right? (laughs) Everybody's talking about preparing to decorate their house, preparing the the menu for Christmas dinner, even though it may look different and be outside or in a garage or Mm -hmm. only have three people or whatever this year. But, but Mary even said, but I haven't, I haven't. And what did the angel say? God has got it. God is going to come over you. God is going to overshadow you. God is going to take care of all of it. God has already made the plan. He's got all the plans. He's the one who's going to do it for nothing is impossible for God. And, 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 and he even proves to her, he says, you know, you're, you're a kinswoman, Elizabeth. Right. Is with child. Is with child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you knew she was barren, but with God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the the reminders for us is that all things are possible with God and how important it is for us to, to let go. Um, just like John the Baptist, let go of his ministry because he knew what, what he was called to do. He was Mm -hmm. called to, to bring people, um, to Christ. It's so beautiful. One of the things that, um, that it's even that, that the angel Gabriel told um, Zechariah is he said that um, what John was going to do was John was going to prepare a people fit for the Lord. So basically our preparation is just to be, how are we going to be fit for the Lord? And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is just laying ourselves open, preparing Mm -hmm. that highway, submitting, submitting, letting those valleys be filled up by the encouragement of the truth of God, that he loves us and that he's, he's proud of us no matter what. And then maybe humbling ourselves a little bit, um, like, uh, bowing down before him and reminding us. Um, that maybe it's our pride. Um, I was singing the song, Oh, Holy Night this morning. That was kind of my prayer. <laughs> it's my favorite. I know. And I looked back at the original French and the word in it, it says, part of the lyrics say, it is your pride that God 
um, preaches. It is to your pride that God preaches, bow your heads before the Redeemer. So that's what we're called to do is just bow down, just kneel down and relax. I need to read that every day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So listeners, we will be right back. We are heading to break right now. And when we come back, we have got Father Matt Dalrymple as our guest today. And we're going to be talking more about this beautiful theme of preparing in Advent. Come right back. This is Kathy Hogan from St. Bridget in Johns Creek, Georgia. You're listening to Atlanta's newest Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. RU486 is the name of the medication combination used to complete medical abortions. The first medication, Mifeprex, blocks the action of progesterone, a hormone needed to continue the pregnancy. This medication starves the baby, causing the death of the baby. The second medication is misoprostol and is taken between 12 and 48 hours later. It causes the woman to have severe cramping and bleeding and results in the expulsion of the baby at home. Did you know that between taking the first pill and the second pill, the mother can change her mind and save her baby? Visit abortionpillreversal.com to learn more. There's potential to save the baby even 72 hours after the first pill. Spread the word and help save a baby today. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. AM 1160 The Quest is listening to you too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on the quest, and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth and hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com. You can take AM 1160 The Quest with you no matter the location. Listen live any time of day, discover community resources, and submit prayer requests at thequestatlena.com. station here in Atlanta, and you are listening to Shelter in Peace. I'm Mari Cleveland, and I'm here with my co-host, Anne Satilli. Welcome back. Welcome back. And we are talking about the second week of Advent and the theme of preparation. And uh, joining us as our guest is Father Matt Dalrymple from St. Luke's in Dahlonega. Father Matt, welcome. Thank you, Mari. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you are here with us. And Father Matt has been a priest for about six years now. And um, we are so thankful that he is being willing to willing to join us from Dahlonega and talk to us. Um, and so, Father Matt, when we, were pre- when we were preparing for our time together, one of the things that you mentioned was that whenever you share your vocation story, it reminds you of good things. Mm-hmm. And um, our listeners love to hear our priest's vocation stories. So would you further introduce yourself to our listeners and bless them with good things by sharing your story with them? Yes, of course. It's great to recall uh, one's vocation, and every time we tell it, 
Um, it increases our hope that God is in charge. He's, he's, he's guiding this whole thing, guiding our lives and our world. Well, um, I'm Father Matt Dalrymple, the pastor at St. Luke the Evangelist Catholic Church in Dahlonega, Georgia. And uh, I grew up in Atlanta, uh, where my parents still live. And, uh, well, I came uh, to, I, I went to college in Texas, and there had a conversion to the faith. Hmm. I wasn't raised in the Catholic Church, um, oh, but in, in a Protestant denomination. And then I found the faith there through uh, God's mercy. I uh, came back to Atlanta, worked for a couple years, and was praying and discerning, and uh, really actually had a strong sense the Lord was actually calling to sell a celibate vocation, but I didn't know what that was going to be. And so from further spiritual direction, uh, it became clear that I should test this in the seminary. Of course, I always thought I would have a wife and family and, <laughs> um, and these wonderful good things. But uh, I, you know, I surrendered to the Lord and His plan. I figured, well, Lord, if, if you have some plans for me, make them known and I'll follow. And, uh, well, you went to seminary and uh, over the years it was confirmed. Um, I went um, to seminary first in Chicago and then to Rome, Italy. But, you know, I, I mean, if you'd asked me growing up, you're going to be a priest one day, I would have said, you know, it's a crazy thought. <laughs> well, especially since you weren't even Catholic. Right. That would have been an extra crazy thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I, you know, it really began with prayer. Just when I, a friend of mine really taught me to do mental prayer for the first time, just really sitting in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of his, uh, in the tabernacle, and um, talking to the Lord really opening up on the inside interior life, and uh, from there you start to ask God questions and listen. And um, I had a good example from uh, from good priests that I wound up meeting, and um, this this really led me to the to consider vocation. And uh, yeah, you say yes to our Lord once, you say yes again. You wind up saying yes many times, and <laughs> look what you can do. So that it, gets, awesome. it gets easier to say yes. What did you say, Father? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, and it, well, you know, it also it just makes me your example of that also makes me think that as baptized Christians, each one of us, our vocation is to point people to Jesus. And that's essentially what your friend did. He said, go sit in front of the tabernacle. He pointed you to Jesus. And then the priest pointed you to Jesus. And then every one of your yeses, I'm sure, continues to point you as well as other people to Jesus. That's right. It's about getting in getting people in front of Jesus. When when we do, uh, things happen, things change for the better, um, and um, we find our happiness, and we find heaven eventually, so. That's great. Yeah, being with Jesus, this is it, this is it. Yep, yep. Well, speaking of pointing to Jesus, that's that's what Advent is all about, right? Um, we've been talking a little bit about about John the Baptist. Uh, a lot of the readings this week uh, are focused on John, um, but also our focus this week is is Mary, the Mother of God. Um, we had the Feast of the Immaculate Conception mm -hmm. um, on Tuesday, and um, and Father, we were kind of talking about this the other day that there are some misconceptions about that feast and what we're actually celebrating. Um, you know. It, it's it's easy to think that it's the Immaculate Conception of Jesus because it's Advent and we're preparing for Christmas. Um, but but God started preparing long before that mm -hmm. with Mary herself and her conception. Can you speak a little bit about the feast? Um, educate us a little bit. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking that yesterday was the, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and if you went to Mass that day, we had two Masses here at the parish. Actually, the Gospel reading is really the conception of Jesus yeah. about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so yeah, very even confusing. If one, <laughs> so even if one is a Catholic, well, the reading is talking to me about the conception of Jesus, but we're here celebrating, you're right, the conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and, well, this is a wonderful truth to meditate on, that... Um, Christians had believed for centuries and was defined in the 19th century in 1854 by Pope Pius IX that says that Mary was free from sin, and she was free from that from the moment of her conception by singular grace and gift of God, um, that by the foreseen merits of the Savior, Jesus Christ, that she was preserved from any stain of original sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this is is a beautiful feast day that we celebrate every 8th of December. And coming close to Christmas, she helps us, the Immaculate Conception, uh, to prepare. You're right, this preparation for Christmas, preparing with Mary, preparing with the Immaculate Conception. And there are misconceptions, sure. Um, Someone might say, well, it's not in the Bible. Well, but if we look closely and we hear um... the word, that scripture that we read that that day, um, the line that we focus on is is hail full of grace, and and that that is the the truth that she was conceived without that sin that she's full of the grace of God. Yes, it's it's very interesting in the in the original language there mm-hmm. um, when it says hail full of grace, it's actually a continuing reality mm-hmm. that the word is used there that it's. Not just something happened once in the past and it was over and done with, but something that its effects continue on um, in her life. So, right. yeah, right there in Scripture, you, you, you have it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There was actually, I was reading about it too, and there's a Greek word, and it's got a lot of K's, ka-ka-ka something <laughs> rather. I can't say it, but but it talked about that, that she was she was full of grace. She had been filled with grace and she was continuing, as you said, Father, to be filled with grace. So she couldn't even sin for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said to us, I thought was so beautiful is you said, people say, well, gosh, if she didn't have original sin, if she didn't have concupiscence, which was that inclination to sin, then of course she said yes, right? Did she re- really even have free will? And Father, you told us actually probably she was probably freer than any of the rest of us. Yeah, it's a mystery to, to contemplate, but uh, I think that's something beautiful to consider that, well, Our Lady, she didn't suffer from the effects of original sin in her will and her intellect, that the effects of sin in the intellect are a darkened intellect, we can't mm-hmm. see the truth so well, or ignorance, or in the will that we find it weakened, and we can't do the good we want to do, but she didn't suffer from those, so in some sense, yeah, she's she she has the freedom that we're all called to in the end in heaven to be really purified of, of those weaknesses. She's really fully human and, and, uh, and with a free will. Yeah. That's so, it's such a beautiful example, um, that she was prepared by God to be able to say yes. And like you said, to not have that darkened intellect, but she did, she did also, um, allow herself to, she said yes. I mean, she was the one who did say yes. And so she did exercise that free will even more than in all of us and her willingness to serve and her openness to God's will in, in her life. And, you know, Anna and I were talking about how 
she is such a beautiful model for us during Advent because as we prepare, we're preparing our hearts. So how did she prepare? She just kept on opening herself to whatever his will was and what he, whatever he wanted to have happen um, in that situation. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Mari and I have been talking about how that that's our struggle yeah. <laughs> is the just continuing to say yes and to be open, to be open and allowing God to do the work. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. So there are um, it, it, there are many different names for Mary, right? As there are for, for God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and many feast days. And so not only do we celebrate the Immaculate Conception this week, but we also have coming up the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And um, Father, I, I know you, you probably have some insight about that for us as well. In our parish... We'll celebrate this on Saturday with a uh, Mass at 12 in Spanish, Our Lady Guadalupe. Um, just these tremendous, wonderful, big feast days, uh, day after day, it seems, in the early part of Advent, helping us prepare. Uh, today is the feast also of the memorial of uh, St. Juan Diego, mm-hmm. who was the one that um, Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to him. Mm-hmm. And was, I was reflecting on this. It's so beautiful that... He was a very simple man, but with just a deep, deep faith. In fact, I think he traveled over 10 miles a day to go to Mass. Wow. He had a a permission from the local bishop to receive Holy Communion three times a week, which was was rare back then. And uh, and that he just said yes to, he said yes to Our Lady who who appeared to him. And uh, then the miracle of seeing the roses that didn't grow in the frozen ground. Uh, and bringing that to the bishop, and um, and then and really paving the way for this great devotion that that saw so many people converted, brought to the faith, getting to know Jesus. I mean, Saint Juan Diego really put people in front of Jesus by saying yes to Mary, and and she said yes to to God eventually, and brought Jesus to us through the birthday Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about pointing the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, he re- he really was an instrument um, to point the way to God. Yeah, he did. That was beautiful. You know, and Anne just mentioned there are so many different names for Mary. And you were telling us, I'm going to kind of jump back in our conversation for a second, because you were also telling us that you had a really cool thing that you did in preparing your altar servers for Mass recently, because tomorrow is also the Feast of Our Lady of Loretto, right? And so you, okay. yeah, you were doing the Litany of Loretto, which I hadn't heard of I before. I hadn't heard of it either. It's yeah. fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit more sure. about that? That was so neat. Right. So, uh, well, for years now, after I pray the rosary every day, and at the end of the rosary, many Christians pray the Litany of Loretto. In many countries, I know, uh, they, they pray it, and that's a great devotion in the Church, um, the Litany of Loretto. Um, and in that litany, it gives many, many titles of Mary. She is the Queen of Heaven. She's the Queen of Families. She is the um, Virgin of Virgins. She is the Seat of Wisdom. And one I've been meditating upon recently is the Vessel of Honor. Mm. She is this beautiful vessel of, of, uh, of Jesus. And anyway, I, I, you know, I prepare with the altar servers before the Mass. Every day we pray a prayer that, that, I would, that we would serve, offer, and assist at this Mass, as if it was our first Mass, our last Mass, and our only Mass. Mm. I love Typically that. then I, I pray a... Uh, a, a prayer to St. Joseph, because he was the guardian of the Redeemer, so asking us to be good guardians in our souls and our bodies of the Redeemer. 
And um, and then I just thought, well, it's natural just to... We've spoken about Our Lord, and we've spoken about St. Joseph. How about one for Our Lady? And so just at the end, I would just throw out a, uh, a title of Our, of Our Lady, like um, Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, when we would say in the sacristy, pray for us. Mm. And then we, we go out. And I would change it every day just to kind of try to spark greater love for some aspect of Our Lady, some aspect of her life, um, her, the goodness of God through her. So we change it every, every time. Now I think the altar servers pretty much, they, they know now to say, uh, pray for us. <laughs> and um, kids like routine, so it gives them a little routine to do. That's but with a lot of love, a routine, not in the bad sense of routine, but a routine that helps us advance even more forward in love of God and love of neighbor. That's great. Well, I have to say, just thank you, Father, for, for taking the time mm-hmm. and, and really entering into a moment with those young people. Um, it's, it's so important. I know for my own children, they had, you know, relationships growing up with priests that took the time to, to actually talk with them, to pray with them too. And it has made a difference. They're young adults now, and they're still actively a part of the church. And it's priests like you that, that foster that, that faith. So I really thank you for that. Mm. It is beautiful. And, and our God is such a personal God. And that's why we've got so many names for God so that we can each, depending on where we are in our life and what's going on in our life, our hearts um, seem to open up more if we realize he's our God who heals us or he's our God who comforts us or who is our King of Kings. And so it's lovely to also think that Mary has all these names too. And as you were introducing these young people to all the names of Mary, there may be some of those names that are so very personal for them to help them grow in their faith and to help them just feel comforted and, and fulfilled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anytime that we can make, um, you know, Jesus or Mary just relatable in our everyday life is, um, is a gift. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Father, one of the other things that we talked, oh, wait, let me back up one more thing. You, you mentioned, um, Joseph and we didn't talk much about Joseph in the first half hour we were talking, we were, we said we were going to talk about him, but, um, Pope Francis just declared a year of St. Joseph yesterday. Yeah. Can you tell yeah, us a little bit happy about news. that? Yeah, yeah, happy thank news. You. This, is, this is really happy news, I think. I printed off the document yesterday. I'm going to take it to my mental prayer this afternoon. And actually on Wednesdays today is a day where I know traditionally a lot of Christians have, have remembered St. Joseph on Wednesdays. Hmm. Um, at the parish here, we'll have, sometimes have a votive mass to St. Joseph on Wednesdays. Um, I haven't read the document yet. Um, I have read uh, uh, many things on the life of St. Joseph, um, but uh, I, I continue to look him as a look to him as a. It's just a model of um, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, mm-hmm. and for me, as a man and a spiritual father, it's just a, a, a saint and, and the universal saint in the church that uh, I need to be close to. Mm. Yeah, and I think it can be an encouragement for for all men, um, women. You know, we've got Mary, and we can look at her and her, her humility and her willingness to to say, "Be it done unto me according to your word." But men can look to Saint Joseph and just that humility. You know, manliness in our world, I think, has become very. Um, uh, 
put upside down. It's not what God really intended. But instead, if you look at St. Joseph, I mean, he was, he was strong. He was devout. He listened to God. He sought God's um, wisdom in circumstances. And he was so incredibly humble. He was so incredibly humble. I know that for me, um, that's my favorite leadership quality. It's my favorite quality mm-hmm. in men. But how humble did you have to be to be the, a wonderful father to somebody else's child and um, to do what God tells you to do? That wasn't in his plan. None of the stuff that happened was in his plan. But he surrendered his plans and his hopes and his dreams to whatever God wanted him to do. What a beautiful example. Well, I also think it's so incredible to think of, you know, he was he was humble and docile to, to God but he also was protector. Yes, yes. So I think that's another thing that in our world, we we don't equate humility with also being strong. Mm-hmm. And he was very strong and courageous. Yeah, he was. He had to take his family and flee to Egypt and protect his young son and, and protect Mary from all the people who wanted to stone her or whatever they might want have wanted to do. And he had to, there was a lot of strength in what he had mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. So um, Father Joseph... Joseph is um, the patron of the Universal Church. Is that is that correct? I believe that's right. Yes. Yeah. So that means he's protector of the church, and this is really a time when we can use his intercession. Oh yeah, and for daily things as well. I, I see Joseph was a craftsman. He worked, labored, ordinary work, in a workshop, and for the better part of. 30 years, our, you know, our, our Lord as well, we're grown up around this man, uh, taught ordinary work, how to, how to do things well, how to finish things well, how to start mm-hmm. things, how to deal with customers, how mm-hmm. to, um, St. Joseph would have maybe taught him how to pray, his mm-hmm. first prayers, um, his habits of being, um, um, and so many things. I think when we read the Gospels and we see our Lord uh, the details we can pick up there, we can consider, well, where did he learn these things from? And probably in the home with, with Our Lady and St. Joseph. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, I was going to say real quick, my favorite definition of humility is we're talking about St. Joseph and him being humble and, and doing all of these normal things in his daily life is the willing restraint of power. So his humility was his willing restraint of power. So he had the strength mm. and the power, but he restrained that um, and offered totally offered himself. Um, so, Father, we also talked about how the daily readings this week are just so rich and all the diff- different gospel readings. You know, we've talked now about Mary and Joseph and John the Baptist. Is there anything else that, that really struck you as far as these this week of Advent too that you wanted to point out to our listeners? Well, earlier this week, a uh, really uh, beautiful scene is uh, the healing of the paralytic. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, as you you recall, that some friends brought a man in who was paralyzed, and they couldn't get in to see Jesus because the crowds were so big. And so what did they do? But they let him in through the roof and lowered him down and put him in front of Jesus, and the man was healed. And some beautiful details of, of, of that gospel scene we can really take to our prayer today, um, First, just the, the friendship that, that was through ordinary friendship that this man was brought in. Mm-hmm. That we think about, we know people that are paralyzed in our life, paralyzed in their spirit. Um, they, they, they can't have hope, or they, haven't, they don't have faith, or they don't have love. And, and so and maybe we've been there ourselves. And so, but it was somebody that brought us up, 
picked us up, brought us mm-hmm. to Jesus, brought us to the prayer, brought us some aspect of charity, and uh, and picked us up and brought mm-hmm. us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So just that, and then lowering him down, what great faith they had that this would go well, that it was worth it, despite the obstacles. And uh, and Jesus, you know, he says he, he looks and he saw their faith, and he wasn't referring to the paralytic man, but to the friends. Mm-hmm. So our Lord wants to use us as cooperators in the salvation of others and the healing of others. And um, well, I think we can do that this time by making a good confession, bringing our family to confession, or maybe uh, helping someone to examine their conscience after many years. And, uh, and this could be putting them in front of Jesus in a way that could change their life forever, like this paralytic man. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, one of the things that really struck me um, that, you know, you talked about there being those obstacles, the obstacles of all of the people around Jesus, the obstacles of the roof, the obstacles, you know, the the friends were not deterred by any of those of those things. Um, and that's what we've been talking about in this preparation, this Advent time is really removing mm. the obstacles and simplifying and focusing, you know, having our eyes just on Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So are there ways that you would recommend that we keep our eyes on Jesus? Are there things that you're helping that your parishioners to think about in preparation and keeping their eyes on Jesus during this time? Yes, I think, well, the classic means of the Church would be to use the Scriptures. Um, Isaiah, the, the, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is referred to as sometimes like the fifth gospel because mm. just all the prophecies just come out and they're fulfilled in Jesus. And this can increase our faith, our hope. And uh, what's really going on at Christmas mm. is that good tidings are coming. The good news is coming. The, the gospel is coming into the world and people's lives. And uh, to be focused on that, because, yeah, there will be many obstacles, many distractions. You know, kind of a, you know, we'll see in December, every December we'll see a wave of materialism mm-hmm. that just wants us to um, go right along with it. And, uh, but through the Word of God, you're preparing with Our Lady, the devotions in the home, sacramentals, um, Advent, the Advent wreath, mm-hmm. mm, the colors, color of violet in Advent, uh, and our participation at Mass, make a good confession, and then also using the things around us, the human means to remind us the lights, okay, the lights coming up or the light coming into the world. We'll hear that actually this weekend in the Gospel, that Jesus is the light coming mm-hmm. into the world. Mm-hmm. So using the, the beautiful things we see to draw us to uh, Christ being born. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, Father, we are just um, at the end of our program now, and um, that's a great place to end it, is just looking forward to the light, the light of Jesus yeah. coming into the world. A little tease for next week. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Would you bless our listeners by closing us in prayer and maybe offering a blessing? I'd be happy to. We'll pray the um, Memorare prayer, and then we'll give you a blessing. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided, inspired by this confidence, fly unto thee, O Virgin Virgins, our Mother, to thee do we cry, poor to thee do we stand, sinful and sorrowful. Mother of the Word incarnate, spies not our petitions, but thy mercy, hear and answer us. Through the imposition of my priestly hands and the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Luke the Evangelist, your guardian angels and patron saints, 
St. Juan Diego, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, sin upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you, so you so much. much. Thank you, Father. Thank sure. you, Father Matt. We so appreciate you being with us today. Listeners, we appreciate you being with us as well. Thank you so much for the for the blessing, um, for reminding us of pre- how to prepare, what to prepare, and that the good news is happening and the good news is here and the light of the world is, is, is coming toward us. So we are so thankful for that. And Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. Amen. So listeners, mm-hmm. Please, please stay tuned. Be with us again next week as we continue to talk about Advent. We, we can't wait to be with you then. Bye-bye.